there is no easy way to start an episode like this. And even though we will have a little fun later on reviewing both the SpongeBob movie, Sponge on the Run, and its spinoff series, Camp Coral, we're going to have to address the elephant in the room that over the last two years has gotten bigger, has gotten nastier, and it's just a room I don't want to be in anymore, people. Uh, this this episode, this everything I'm saying right now has been sitting in the back of my head for almost two years of, of this situation. Uh, this situation involving Steven Hillenburg and interviews and spinoffs and disgust and... Uh, it bothers me. It bothers me to my core. And I'll do my best to try to uh, give out as much information as I can. But I do want to say that there are those out there who are who have been able to take all of this information and comprehensively put it together in an easy, digestible way. Uh, and one that I'm going to personally mention here is a video from Pie Guy Rules. I just recently watched it. Um, and it is a video that I feel takes the objective information and lays it out in its, its proper timeline. Um, and I have no acknowledgement of Pie Guy Rules is, uh, as a content creator, his channel. I was just shown this video, uh, and it definitely is a much easier tool so that you can understand this entire situation from beginning to end, at least in an objective sense. Um, in, in a nutshell, Steven Illenberg at one point in time wanted the SpongeBob SquarePants story to end with that first movie. It is, it is a finale of a movie, one that has been constantly said is the true series finale of the show when it inevitably ends at some point. Um, if you go back and, and listen to what Hillenberg talks about when it comes to this point in time of 2004, he was ready to end the series. He legitimately wanted it to end after the movie. Um, and he talks about going to Nickelodeon and telling them that, hey, the show the show's going to be done. And the, if there was ever a point in time to be upset with Nickelodeon, it's this moment because they turn around and tell him no. And he steps down as showrunner, which is eventually taken over by Paul Tibbet, who has already been working on SpongeBob. And Hillenberg walks away, wipes his hands clean and walks away. And it, as a fan, it's tough to get mad in that situation because on one hand, if everybody is willing to get their pitchforks out for an over-exaggerated interview from 2009, then where were the pitchforks in this moment? I mean, I know we were all kids watching it, but... You know, I'm sure every SpongeBob fan has a moment or a joke or an episode post first movie that you enjoy that if you take this this stance, you're kind of throwing that away. And, and it's the same for me. I love I love some episodes of season four that um, aren't necessarily bad and they're really good. So in a way, I'm kind of happy that Nickelodeon kept the show going. But then on on one hand, if we're going to if we're going to stand by the stance of the creator, hey, this was a moment. But seven years later, Steven Hillenberg was given an opportunity to come back and work on the second SpongeBob movie, Sponge Out of Water. And out of that project, Hillenberg eventually came back to the SpongeBob show. In 2014, Paul Tibbet on his Twitter account mentioned that Hillenberg would be returning to the show in some capacity. Obviously not as showrunner, but he was finally contributing again. And, and to me, this, this moment is crucial to the entire argument. Because within seven years, he had finally found a place where he was able to work with SpongeBob again and and then just decided that he wanted to jump in and, and do it more. 
his opinion changed. So because he says in 2019, uh, and I will read his exact quote here that everybody has, has thrown around, but his show, when he was asked about spinoffs featuring other characters, Hillenburg states, the show is about SpongeBob. He's the core element, and it's about how he relates to the other characters. Patrick by himself might be a bit too much, so I don't see any spinoffs. I, I don't see any spinoffs. Nowhere in this interview does Steven Hillenburg, with as much passion as these fans have, say, there will never be any spinoffs. I never want any spinoffs. They will never exist. I will tell Nickelodeon no, and if they, they do it, they'll have to wait until I pass away. None of that exists, and, and I feel like all of our collective anger of just, hey, not wanting a spinoff, like we're using this as the sword and shield of this situation, and it's just not fair. Those those aren't his words. He doesn't say, I I hate the idea of spinoffs. I never want spinoffs. He says, I don't see any spinoffs because the show is about SpongeBob. The interviewer asks him if he sees any spinoffs with other characters, and he says, no, SpongeBob is the main point. I don't see any spinoffs. And that that's a fair point to make. I mean, look, I'm sure at his core, even when he came back to the show, he wishes everything kind of maybe ended after that first movie in terms of quality. But his opinion clearly changed on the idea of working on the show more. And I, I'm sure his opinion could have changed on the idea of seeing spinoffs, too. But that's the thing, people. The intensity or the level and the words you're using associated with Steven Hillenburg are all wrong. You can't say Steven Hillenburg hated the idea of spinoffs. Nickelodeon did this behind his back. That that reality doesn't exist. Now, we will continue and mention the uh, the tweet of Paul Tibbet, uh, showrunner of SpongeBob SquarePants after Steven Hillenburg had stepped down. Uh, the, the director of the SpongeBob movie, Sponge Out of Water, who also stepped down as showrunner right after he was finished up with that project. Uh, he wrote this on June 4th, 2019, uh, about Camp Coral's announcement. And uh, Paul Tibbet, this is his tweet, and I quote, I, did, I do not mean any disrespect to my colleagues who are working on this show. They are good people and talented artists. But this is some greedy, lazy executiving right here. And they all know full well Steve would have hated this. Shame on them. It's a very it's a very personal tweet there from Paul Tibbet and one that that is also pointed to just as much as that 2009 interview. Um, and this is where I think us as fans for anything I'm saying at this point going forward, our opinions on this situation should should stop right here because we we don't know Steven Hillenburg. We don't know him personally. And anything that has come out after this are people who personally knew him and are not you know I, I don't want to say speaking for him in a negative way because obviously if you're asked a question like hey uh, how would this person take this you know your your answer still might be in reality in fact but we don't have that fact to back up so Paul Tibbet says Stephen would have hated this and Paul Tibbet could absolutely be 100% right in fact I think Paul Tibbet is 100% right but Paul Tibbet stopped working with Hillenburg just as he was coming back into the show. I don't know how much they still talked or or how much they, you know, conversed about SpongeBob 
when Hillenberg was working on the show and Paul Tibbetts had left. We don't know that. And unless Paul has come out and said, oh, they spoke all the time and he definitely still hated spinoffs. I haven't seen that information come up. Um, but Vincent Waller, who is the current showrunner of SpongeBob, was working alongside Steven Hillenberg and has mentioned Steven Hillenberg's very early involvement in the Camp Coral idea. An idea that, let me just say, could have been digesting around the offices even before Brian Robbins came in. Remember, Camp Coral was a big part of the SpongeBob movie, Sponge on the Run. And, I mean, from putting it in that movie and creating those character designs, people could have already been talking about reusing them in some way, maybe in an episode of the show or a special. Uh, and then when Brian Robbins came in and said, all right, guys, give me some spinoff ideas, and they said Camp Coral. Like, this idea could have been around, and Hillenberg could have helped contribute it and, and helped build that world that we saw on the screen. Uh, there's no way he was able to see the the final product, you know, the Camp Coral that we have today. There's no way that 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 100 percent was in his thought process of of this timeline. But um, from everybody who was working with him, they've they've all come out and, and pretty much said that he was at least somewhat aware of of the very early parts of this show going on um, there. There has been some someone who worked on the show came out and lied because they embellished that like Hillenberg was fully involved or at least fully aware. Uh, and then they came out and kind of retracted that because of harassment. But, but therein lies the problem. Why, why are any of you harassing anybody? If you're a SpongeBob fan, the word harassment should just not be in your wheelhouse. And that, that disgusts me that you're harassing these people because the one thing and the, and the one piece in my heart that, that gives me peace on this whole situation and one person that rarely gets brought up in these conversations is that of Tom Kenny. Tom Kenny is just as protective of the SpongeBob brand as Steven Hillenberg was. And they, those two were actual friends with each other, friends who have known each other at least since the early 90s when they were both working on Rocco's Modern Life, alongside Mr. Lawrence as well, who has been a massive creative force behind the scenes of SpongeBob since its inception. These guys have known each other for so long and have been such good friends. The, why does everybody think that if this was such a detrimental thing to the honor of Steven Hillenberg, this spinoff, that it was going to be deliberately injustice to his friend that he would sign on for it. Most people you bring that up to will come to the conclusion of eh, money. You know, everybody's Mr. Krabs, apparently. Everybody is being Clancy Brown in this situation. They're just doing it for money. I I have a feeling with how much Tom Kenny talks about Steven Hillenberg and reminisces about him and and shows just how close of friends they were if camp coral was something that was that was that detrimental to the legacy of his friend i don't think tom would have signed off on it because tom even though he is spongebob this is a new show there would have had to be a new contract signed for this project and i i don't think tom kenny out of anybody would have signed on for that if it was inherently disrespectful i really don't and and it, that that lets me sleep at night, and I respect that idea. I'm not telling anybody that they have to, but it does have to be a part of the conversation. You can't just bridge together two opinions to just say money. That's how it works. 
it, it works for some people. And if it was a younger actor or somebody who didn't really get to interact with Steven Hillenburg, then, you know, the money thing could be more of a reason. But th- this is something deeper here and, and something that means a lot. This was the first spinoff of SpongeBob SquarePants, a show that's been around for more than 20 years. This was a big deal. So I, I don't think there is an amount of money that they could have thrown at Tom Kenny that would have made him go against this if it was that bad, which is where kind of the end result of this of this whole situation and argument comes to. And it's the same result that Pie Guy Rules comes to in his video. It's that we we don't know Stephen Hillenberg's true opinion on this that he may have had near the end of his life. We don't know of his opinion on this that he could have had in 2017 before he was even publicly diagnosed with this. Or in 2016, he could have been asked about a spinoff when he showed back up at the studios and just like, hey, is this something you're maybe open to down the road? And he could have said, maybe, maybe. We don't know. So to keep going around the internet and and posting on every Camp Coral video and post saying Steven Hillenburg hated spinoffs, hated the idea of spinoffs. This is this is a detriment to his legacy. This is spitting on his grave. It, that is not fair to the man himself because you don't know if near the end of his life, if he was open to the idea of more SpongeBob stories or expanding that world. You don't know. So it's okay like me to dislike the amount of these spinoffs coming out or the idea of spinoffs in general. I don't like them. I don't like the ideas of oversaturating this world, but I'm also open to more artists working on this show and seeing what they can do with this, with this world. It's been around for 20 years. I have the sacred seasons and movies in my heart anything. We I've gone through more bad seasons of SpongeBob in my opinion than good ones and I'm still okay. I'm still a big fan. Look, I'm also a fan of Sonic the Hedgehog, and that's kind of part of the course these days. So um, it, it, it's okay, but we, it's just stop stop hiding behind the guy's name in this, in this idea that has just been digesting over time that is just blown out of proportion, okay? At one time in history, the guy said, I don't see any spinoffs. But also at that one time in history, he was not working on the show anymore. And that had since changed. So really what it comes down to, we don't have a definitive answer on these things. We have the opinions of those who personally knew him, both positive and negative. And and from that, you can build your own bridge of what may have happened. But we need to stop hiding behind Steven Hillenberg's name in our reasoning for not wanting these spinoffs. And we need to accept that certain people like Tom Kenny have the best intentions in mind for not only this character, but the show that was started by his friend. I have a lot of trust in Tom Kenny. And he has since talked about Hillenberg's involvement with the very early CG. I think he's talking about uh, Sponge on the Run, but this has been in in all the press of Camp Coral, him going around and saying that uh, Stephen wasn't sure about CG with the characters and whatnot, but they were able to properly, you know, get the the feeling of SpongeBob. And I can say 100% in Sponge on the Run, they do in Camp Coral. Very rarely they, they capture it, but they are still able to capture it in CG. So Tom Kenny has even been saying that, that Hillenberg in some regard was aware of, of this going on. And, and to me, that's the most comforting coming from any person because 
I know how close those two were. And it, 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 history has the, you know, we have the work here to show for it. And not only that, go back, go back to the speech Tom Kenny gave in awarding the Windsor McKay Award to Steven Hillenburg back in 2018. There, there is, there's a true friendship, true love, and and we just unfortunately can't just go to these insane, you know, end results of just like well, money and and evil and greed. Yes, Nickelodeon is a business, and they they you know making money. This is Hollywood. This is what they do in entertainment. Uh, but not not everything has to be evil, and we can still dislike it even when it's not evil, which is kind of the end result here. Dislike the spinoffs all you want. Hate the spinoffs all you want. Don't hide behind the guy's name. Just say it as your own opinion. And if you point to these things, don't argue with somebody who's going to to show you or expand more or at least have a conversation about it. Because unfortunately, for the rest of my life, I'm going to deal with people either online or in person who, you know, when SpongeBob's brought up or any of these other spinoffs or, or projects they're gonna bring up some someone just up oh, steven hillenberg he he would have hated that right and it's like oh no i mean we don't know but like let's go over all this information we have now and look certainly if information came out that that said otherwise that this is just a big evil thing and it, and it really was just kind of the rug being pulled under him i would absolutely join you in your pitchfork mobs but in this situation with this evidence they are just not justified at this point in time. And I just think we need to stop using the guy's name like this and keep things more optimistic and positive, just like SpongeBob himself is. The The show itself is, is about positivity. It, it exudes positivity in, in all regards. And I think we need to keep that momentum going outside of the show through the fan base and not have these splintered groups now we have people who may enjoy Camp Coral a great deal or enjoy other projects down the road like the Patrick Star show that that we may have strong opinions about. But you know what? All of this, the best, the worst, it all came from the mind of one man. It was started with a guy when he drew a sponge. And with that, I'm going to leave you with a quote from Steven Hillenberg that came as an insert with all season one DVDs, the, the very first box set. After this, I'm going to take a quick break, and when we get back, we're going to review Sponge on the Run and Camp Coral. Ahoy there! What you've got in your hand is the DVD boxed set of the first season of SpongeBob SquarePants. That's right, Her Maiden Voyage. Well, sure, the show's a lot like a ship. You don't know if she'll hold together till she hits the water. I spent many a sleepless night in my bunk not wondering if the world was flat and are we just going to fall off the edge, but whether an entire show can be based on a rectangular sponge, would they think he's a piece of undersea cheese? Is it okay for an octopus to have only six legs? And if you show fire underwater, will everybody mutiny and turn the channel? Well... My cups raised to those of you who didn't and to the talented and hard-working SpongeBob crew who helped build a tight little ship, sail her off the edge of the earth and into the sky. Welcome aboard. We'll be right back. Magic Conj, will I ever get to meet Tom Kenny? Maybe someday. Oh, so you're saying there's a chance. Okay, okay. Should I tell fans of the show how they can support us? Yes. Goofy Goobers, supporting the show is shockingly easier than catching a blue jellyfish. 
right from our Anchor page, anchor.fm slash spongepod. You can find links to all of our social media and a support button if you happen to have a few extra clams. Also follow us on twitch.tv slash spongebobpodcast, where it's not only the official home to our sister show, Video Bob Game Pants, it's also where I stream live drawings of various Nickelodeon characters and host the opportunity for commissions and giveaways. Lastly, the official merchandise store is now open at redbubble.com slash people slash spongepod, where various designs will be uploaded in Inspired by our show, including our official logo, which is now available on a multitude of products like t-shirts, stickers, duvet covers, and even a shower curtain. This is a podcast by a fan for fans and will always be fan-driven. Any way you see fit on supporting our show is much appreciated. Thank you and enjoy. Let's just tell the onerous lies nerds don't be. What is this? I feel wet. Is it blood? Am I bleeding? <laughs> I've been soddened by secondhand sponge water. I'm gonna catch my first jellyfish today. Well, whoop dee doo. All right, and we are back. Uh, so the the road to the third SpongeBob movie, Sponge on the Run, is it's certainly a long one. Although what was really nice was the wait time in uh, in months and years between the second movie and the third movie, which came a lot shorter than the wait for the second one. Uh, but this movie was originally scheduled to come out in 2019 before being delayed to 2020. And all throughout 2020, that release date just kept being moved. They kept pushing it back three months, three months before they just completely took it off the theatrical schedule. Uh, eventually, it did get a theatrical release in Canada in August. And I legitimately was thinking about driving up to uh, to a Canadian movie theater, crossing the border. But it just wasn't going to happen uh, due to passport issues and just the overall status of traveling between countries during a pandemic. Uh, anyway, eventually Paramount announced that the movie would drop on March 4th during the launch of Paramount Plus, which is a rebranding of their CBS All Access app. So I did my duty to wait and hold off and not download any VPNs to watch it on Netflix from other countries, waited till March 4th to watch the official U.S. release. And here we are of not only that and of the debut of Camp Coral on Paramount+. Plus. But these are two massive projects, and the amount of time we've waited for them, uh, I just can't do this review alone. So I have asked my good friend and host, animator, voice actor, singer, and editor of the SpongeBob SquarePants Movie Rehydrated Project and creator of Pasta Dash Creations, Alexis Weaver. Hey. <laughs> oh, knocked that, that out in mouthful. one take. <laughs> I am proud of that. Mouthful, isn't it? <laughs> I'm lucky. I'm. I re if I tried to wing that without writing it down, <laughs> I would have definitely like. All right, take three, take four. Yeah, if that's a lot to say, think about how much it is to do. Oh, t absolutely. <laughs> you are like legitimately. You are one of the hardest working people I know, especially given the fact that a lot of the stuff that you're working on is not, you know, meant for profit. It's just out of love and appreciation, oh, yeah. and just you know. As an artist. I mean, that's, yeah, that's no, um, that's not 
without saying though that you know like i am kind of doing this for myself because i want to like improve my skills put stuff on my resume that kind of sh oops <laughs> don't worry i i have dolphin sounds i know <laughs> <laughs> i will mark that down cool um Anyway, though, so you actually watched the SpongeBob movie Sponge on the Run a few months ago. Uh, how, how did you get, did you um, watch it through Netflix on a VPN? I did. Yeah, you're way better than the rest of us. I couldn't wait. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wanted to, if there was no way, I would have loved to see it on the big screen. I'm a big believer in going to see movies as they were intended. You get like this oh, five yeah, to six here. month window to watch it on a big screen, and then you can watch it at home for the rest of your life. Same here. It's just that, you know, like with the pandemic and everything, like it, it just made me like comfortable with just watching movies at home. Like, yeah. Yeah. Most of the time it was just for me about not wanting to wait. <laughs> <laughs> now, the, the, the only reason I waited was, well, if I can't go on opening night in a, in a theater to show my support, I'll wait until opening day when the streaming service drops to show like I'm, I'm supporting it in some way. Yeah, I knew that I wasn't going to pay for the, an, another streaming service, though, you know. No, I, I don't blame. There, there is uh, certainly a, a chunk of them, but what's really nice is a lot of these services are shareable. So if you have a group of friends or family, it's like, all right, everybody just buy one, and then you all or share certain, it with each other. Or a certain captain to steal it off of. Yeah, oh, absolutely. <laughs> Pirate, <laughs> piracy is no joke, folks, okay? Uh, <laughs> um, I was talking about you, but okay. <laughs> I well hey, look a pirate captain is what I am um I didn't go to pirate college for nothing Alexis okay I worked hard for this I'm um, sorry I forgot about your PhD I see it hanging on the wall right thank there. you pirate has degree boom <laughs> has degree. It's my, it's my I love PhD. that <laughs> um <laughs> so I, I gotta say the anticipation for this movie was was big for me. Not only just the, the idea of a third SpongeBob movie and following it, following every little breadcrumb of information all the way up yeah. to the first trailer, to then just constantly being teased with it. And uh, I gotta say, I told you the other night, like the first thought after it was all done and the credits stopped rolling, I I felt sad about it. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to pretend like you following it like that wasn't your downfall. <laughs> I, I know. I know. Um, the, the, as, as early as we can go with the information of this movie, it seems that the story was always meant to be Gary is taken and SpongeBob has to get him, which is yes, is used in probably one of the more popular episodes of the show, but it's a good story device because they don't really overuse that. They've used it in that one episode, and really that was it. So to use it in a movie, I was kind of happy with that. Um, yeah, for sure. And I, I'm sure you've seen the early footage that like the original villains were going to be space cats. I actually didn't. Oh, no. my goodness. There is animatics of, like, cats from space that came down and stole. Like, they have Gary. I don't know the reasons why. Um, Are you kidding me? We could have had Space Jam 2 already? I have no... <laughs> oh, why? Did it accidentally drop? Huh? What? No, I just meant like... <laughs> no, I meant like, you know, cats from space come down and they have to do Spongebob things in order to get Gary back. Like, I don't know. That just... That screams Space Jam to me. And, you know... 
It's been it, waiting for Space Jam 2 for long enough, damn it. It's it. You know what? I, I'll have to send you the, the animatics. I'll find them again. Because they were actually pr pretty well designed. And they seemed like they were going to be... We've never had really an animated villain... Uh, big villain in any of these movies. It's usually Plankton or then some human character. So, But they, they ditched the, the whole concept and redid it again. And I, I gotta say, the the crux of the story, which is Gary being stolen, should be a bigger deal. And it, it just wasn't. It yeah, was I, at moments and then wasn't again. I definitely agree with that. But at the same time, though, like... Um, I'm not sure what else they would have done. Like, uh, it seems like ever since the first movie was a huge hit, um, they've just wanted to do that exact same storyline over and over again. And, like, at this point, they went with, you know, the crown. Um, they had to go get the crown back for the first one. So the second one was going to be about this, like, weird, uh, this weird, like, book thing. Um, and, you know, like, they completely went off the wall with that, and it wasn't that great, so then they decided to go back to their roots with Gary, and then, um, I just think that that was honestly their only option at this point. Uh, I mean, it, I'm sure, creatively-wise, I think there's so many possibilities that you can have, because here's one thing I thought of. I, while watching this movie, I listed everything that either... I was really upset about or that made me laugh. And I have this, like, the entire movie from beginning to end, I made a list of everything. Um, and as I was going through and rereading things after I was done, I noticed this sense of, like, this roller coaster effect where they would hit these highs of plot and, like, seriousness in the sense of, you know, taking the issue seriously um, to these lows of complete, like, Oh, let's go off the path completely. And thinking about the first movie, you still get moments of silliness, but they're usually surrounded by um, by threatening means. Like when SpongeBob and Patrick are in the are in the bar and they're in the bathroom and they're playing with bubbles. It's a silly moment. They're not thinking about Mr. Krabs in that in that moment, but it's a second long, and they immediately get into a big situation because of it. Like, their silliness causes a big problem. Whereas in this movie, it was just like, oh, we can just go to a saloon and dance with pirate, zombie, uh... What, I listed it here with the exact... There was some and other... It, and it has no bearing to the plot whatsoever. No bearing! And I'm screaming at the TV like, Gary was stolen. Yes, like, I completely agree with that. I wish that that entire sequence did not happen at all, but you know that they've been, like, like I said, they're trying to do the formula again with, like, the first one because they went to the real world in the first one. Right, And right. in the second one. So they're going to do it in the third one. Check this and, out. Uh, <laughs> El Diablo? Yeah. A as a character, as a villain on this world, I kind of like him. Because okay. I, I was like, you know what? We have Burger Beard, and then there's El Diablo. But then one thing that SpongeBob has never done, which would have been something cool here, is what if the lost city of Atlantic City was inside of an aquarium? 
That would have been amazing. Which I know is kind of in the Finding Dory territory, but we've never done it in a SpongeBob way, so... Oh, who cares? Yeah, you know, so... Like, every idea is, like, used up by this point. Um, um, imagine... Based off of something else. Imagine them having to, you know, get to the reaches of the ocean. They get up on shore again. It's... There's no obvious, you know... Atlantic City, but then they have to get into this aquarium where, hey, El Diablo works there. I don't know. He's a janitor and dresses like that. Like, that's funny. That way you like still that. get a really fun confrontation, and it has to still do with the plot. That would have been cool if, like, you know, um, they stole Gary because, like, they were, I don't know, taking snails for the gift shop or something. <laughs> like, I don't even know. Like, something like that. That would definitely be... Uh, Finding Nemo type of thing for sure. But, right, right. Um, so I guess that wasn't a very viable option considering that, you know, everyone is um, always under scrutiny if they ever touch anything Disney has done. So No, and, and well, that could have been a fun... SpongeBob could have been that property to make fun of Disney a little bit in this regard. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think they could have done it. They could have pulled it off. Uh, DreamWorks is clearly not doing it these days, so why not SpongeBob? Um, yeah. The, yeah, they just, there's, yeah, these moments of complete disregard for Gary, and even when they finally get to Atlantic City, there's this whole sequence of SpongeBob and Where Patrick just... Where they completely just, forget about it, and they're, they just like, have a bender. That. Yeah. They wake up drunk, they wake up hungover again, just like in the first movie, which is still funny, but then... It's Keanu Reeves just like, hey, don't you remember you're trying to save somebody? Somebody you love? Like, why is this a thing? Yeah, I I definitely, um, I am one of those diehard, like, only the first uh, handful of seasons of Spongebob, like, kind of fans. Like, I, I don't, I haven't watched a lot of, like, newer, newer stuff except for when... Steven Hillenburg came back and like everyone was a little bit better like uh, personality wise but I do know about a lot of the things that went down like while I wasn't watching like how Patrick became really mean and Squidward got tortured for no reason and all that other kind of stuff so I, I don't like what the show has become I really don't like it um, and I also think that uh that's never going to go away once you cross that territory. Um, and I know it happens because a show lasts so long and because members of the crew move away from it and then, like, new people come in and stuff like that. Um, that's completely understandable. It's just that at that point, you need to let it die. But, like, beside the point, <laughs> that's beside the point. So, like, what I'm saying is that, like, you know that's going to show in the movies. And I think that in the uh, second movie and in this one, um, you get to see a lot of what damage that has really done. Like in the second movie, how Patrick completely betrays SpongeBob just because he's hungry and he wants Krabby Patties. Um, uh, or... Um, yeah, even Plankton becoming really soft. Actually, I really like him in the newest movie. I, I think that I've been I've been really like um banking on 
Hello? Like, I've been really excited about that because um, in the newer movie, uh, they definitely have, like, moments where you're like, oh, yeah, they are a couple. Like, and you can see it. Because they, like, talk to each other casually, uh, but also kind of romantically. Like, uh, she calls him Hun, and, like, they talk like they're adopting a puppy when they find the robot that Mr. Krabs threw out. And I, I really like the dynamic between I, them. I, I, just I like the writing like... for them. It, it's just, yeah. this is now two movies. It kind of was okay in the, fir- in the second one when Plankton, you know, had the opportunity to steal the formula and decided to give it back. Because it's just like, you could understand getting swept up into that adventure and everything they've been through that at the end of the day, it was the right thing to do. Um, yeah. But in the third one, Plankton A, the I was really upset that the, that the opportunity to, not scare people, but to show Gary being kidnapped, like, make that a big moment. It was just kind of swept away in a thought bubble. Yeah, um, I definitely see that. Um, uh, but, I know that they didn't actually do anything on screen. Like, he just kind of came into the room and then that was it. Um. I wish they did show more stuff, like, for that. Yeah, but... or even just have it not be, obviously, Plankton. Yeah, I just think they could have cut out that entire Western sequence and added more character building. Like, Lord knows we don't need it because everyone's seen Spongebob at this point and knows all the characters. But at the same time, um, that's what made Spongebob so great in the first place. It's like, the character. All, of, all the character moments. Absolutely. You're you're 100% right. Um, But yeah, Plankton... But Plankton purposely putting Gary in this horrible situation, purposely putting SpongeBob and Patrick in this horrible situation, being gifted the Krabby Patty secret formula, and then just when SpongeBob and Patrick are going to be executed, is just all of a sudden going like, okay. Oh, you know what? I thought that you were talking about... um the second movie when they did that because that was incredibly dumb the way they handled that in the end it was so cheesy and lame but it um, was cheesy but i just think after going on everything they went through like time travel and i i think plankton just in that moment got swept up where this one just felt it, it just know. didn't feel deserved i i think that it shouldn't have been deserved i think that um the way that it should have been, like... I just think that with the way that uh, his character is, is that it makes complete sense for him to give up just because no one's fighting him anymore. Like, um, I, that's like a complete Megamind situation. And I loved that movie. Megamind and, is very underrated. Yeah, it is. I actually watched that one, like, five times in the theater. I'm not even exaggerating when I say that. I saw it once, didn't it didn't click with me. And then on my second viewing is when I was like, Oh, okay. I really like this. Yeah. I adored that movie when I was a kid. I haven't seen it in a while, but anyway. Um, so like, but just like that movie, they handled that like in the same way, but with like way less time. And I think that made it a little less preachy, but also like it fit with the character, you know, because that's just kind of what Plankton would do in my eyes. Like, if he were to ever give up the search for the formula, it would be because um, it it inconveniences him. 
not because he learned his lesson or anything, but because it inconveniences him, and he's bored without having crabs chase him and stuff. Yeah, know? yeah, it's... I mean, it, it just felt... I felt like maybe scripting-wise, they could have just maybe found a way that um, it wasn't... I mean, SpongeBob and Patrick were very... They found a very easy way to find out that um, Poseidon kills people publicly in glorious fashion... Plankton had to have known that as well. Um, maybe if they oh. found a way for him to be behind the kidnapping, behind SpongeBob and Patrick leaving, but then not really knowing that there would be execution, then I could kind of lean towards, okay, when he sees that on the news going, uh-oh, I didn't expect that to happen, and helping out. Yeah. But I can see that, but at the same time, like he gets so swept up in his evil, you know, like... Um, he says crazy stuff, and then he, like, is completely apathetic about the outcome. You know, like, that's kind of the way he's always been. Like, he says, I'm gonna rule the world, and, like, then he's just happy getting the formula in the first place. And, like, you know, other than the 2004 movie, doesn't even really try to take over the world other than that. Like, um, you know, a lot of the time he just fantasizes about having the formula like he doesn't know what he's gonna do next after that so yeah and i you know just to it just it's weird to go from that first movie where he tries his hardest and pretty much gets almost what he wants i mean he does he serves crabby patties he, he does get what he wants to then these other two movies where he just is kind of a bad guy but then really isn't but you're right. When it comes to like the stuff with Karen, it's really sweet. The how the writing has kind of evolved them as a, yeah, as a pairing. For sure, because I like I am a huge like believer in making um, getting rid of what all of those like '90s shows did to the media, where like you know um, the husband is stupid, the mom is high strung. And parents are always not in love with each other. Like, I really don't like that ideal. Because, you know, then it makes people grow up and be like, is this what marriage is like? Is this what um, being in love is like? And it's scary, you know? And not all relationships are like that. A lot of them are, but, you know, a lot of them aren't, too. And I, I don't know. Like, basically, I just don't like stereotypes, really. Um, when you can avoid them. You oh, know? absolutely. And especially when they're, like, way overdone, because... And, and especially, especially very harmful ones. Um, like, this is a kid's show, we shouldn't be promoting the idea that people that are married are in jail, essentially, like the media suggests. No, and they've... And, you know, it, it is just a healthier bit of writing... It's still funny because Plankton can still be just a cranky, cranky person in general. So you're still kind of getting that kind of snippiness back and forth. But yeah, there, there's that other half of like genuine care that yeah, exactly. is just the, you know, it's it's nice to see these two get along sometimes. It is. Um, yeah. And like, I don't know. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> 
Sorry, I, I lost my train of thought. It, it's okay. It's okay. Well, let, let's move on from Plankton to uh, the, the big bad of the film, King Poseidon, who is clearly uh, emulating the, the look and... Oh, wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry. I did actually have one more thing I wanted to oh, say. Oh, absolutely. Um, when you were talking about how Plankton was the one like at fault for like ha- not really having a real reason to give up the formula, you know? Um, in my eyes, I saw that whole thing as Mr. Krabs' fault, like, uh, as in the writing was at fault for Mr. Krabs because um, Mr. Krabs was not acting like himself at all. Like, he just gave up because SpongeBob was gone. Yeah, and here's the thing, because I actually wrote that in here um, in my list. I I genuinely believe that the that when... Mr. Krabs is talking about how much he cares about SpongeBob and especially Clancy Brown's performance here. It's really sweet. I love it. But at the same time, plot-wise, they didn't even leave the Krusty Krab to go to his house. Like, if SpongeBob's not at work, the first thought in my mind is he's still asleep, like, go to his home. They had a terrible day at the Krusty Krab and then just gave up. Yeah. It was pretty silly. And then the juxtaposition to that with Sandy discovering SpongeBob's home, clearly seeing it ransacked and then just going like, okay, I guess I'll go to the Krusty Krab and immediately barging into the Krusty Krab as if she's suspected foul play of Mr. Krabs and Squidward without just walking in and being like, hey, is SpongeBob at work? Well, I don't know. Um, I didn't see that really, like... At the same time, like, it was clearly ransacked, so someone did something. She was probably, like, you know, suspicious of everyone. Usually, Sandy is a pretty okay, like, written character. And I like that in these, uh, the second and third movies, they tried to give her more of an, like, appearance rather than what they did with the first movie. Oh, the first movie is terrible. With that. Yeah, I that's probably the one big like negative I can think of this of the first movie as their Sandy is like two lines. People are gonna take that quote that you just said <laughs> out what? of context. Oh, the first movie is terrible. That's oh, what you no. Should... The first movie is like my third favorite film of all time, so please <laughs> it, even with its negative of lack of Sandy, I love that movie to death. But um what was really the the right. moment I loved this so even when this movie would lose me, it would win me back, because there would be moments. My one of my favorite moments in this movie was the news report when everybody's at the Krusty Krab with Perch Perkins announcing that King Poseidon has found these two, you know, snail stealers and they're going to be executed. Seeing uh, SpongeBob and Patrick's mug shots, which yeah. SpongeBob looks as sad as can be, and Patrick is the happiest he's ever been to take a photograph. Um, and to see the concern, the like immediate concern when they see Gary on the screen, uh, when Mr. Krabs, Sandy and Squidward just immediately, it's like, okay, now we're understanding this is a serious thing. Yeah. And and we can take it seriously. It it was like my favorite, almost my favorite moment. And even the return of the paddy wagon and it's little just nod to the first movie. I I enjoyed it. I was very happy about that. I I was screaming a little bit when that came up because like, you know, um, 
a lot of points in this movie were like very obvious about like yeah we know you love this first movie we're gonna like nod to it as much as we can like uh they were very good about that i think like with the references and then like all that other kind of stuff because they knew that that's what we wanted you know Oh, absolutely. I, I don't mind the... They didn't lean on it too heavily, but where they they really could have just copied it beat for beat, and they didn't do that, but it was nice to see those moments, which, by the way, I caught a Grandma Squarepants portrait in the back of one of the shots, so go through and see if you can find that, anyone listening. But um, I think I saw that one. Oh, I had to go back and look. I was so happy, because I had just <laughs> watched the Grandma's Kisses episode for the show, so I'd like... Grandma Squarepants was freshly in my mind when I was watching. Um, mm-hmm. As as far as King Poseidon goes, I absolutely adore Matt Barry. I've watched him on Toast of London. I've watched him on uh, What We Do in the Shadows on FX. I love him as a character actor. Uh, and I love... I love the idea of him as King Poseidon. But the character was just not written well and was just thrown together at the last moment it seems as just a a visually impending villain yeah and like another thing about him too though is that like it was very off-putting that they used the same guy that was a good guy in the last movie oh yeah absolutely absolutely the thing that caught me most off guard yeah because he voiced uh bubbles the the dolphin Mm-hmm. And, like, I don't know. Um, I just... Everything about that character was not good. I, I didn't like a single thing about him. I didn't even like his uh, his servant guy. Nope, like, I wrote that I the Chancellor was, was not a good character. It's... I no. know what they're trying to go with. They're they're trying to go with the the underling that is smarter than the person in charge, but... Look at King Neptune. I, I mean, there was Mindy, but that was a daughter-father dynamic. Every other servant in the in the room was afraid of Neptune. Exactly. Like, it's just, it's ridiculous to think that they came up with King Poseidon, like, to be, like, even over, like, um, King Neptune in terms of power, and he's not feared like at all and he's also like much more of a baby yeah yeah he even by the end when they're outside of the casino and things are wrapping up and i'm completely out of the movie again i'm just like taken out of it Mm -hmm. he had one last moment where he he pulled me back in which after all of this nonsense that all of the song the song and dance which uh, we didn't even touch upon the the speeches from everybody, which was just ugh. <laughs> Take okay, my no, eyes out. <laughs> no, no, but hold on. I need that. to get this out of, out of King Poseidon. But he has this moment where he's like, "I will spare all of you, but you're giving me my snail." And I was like, mm-hmm. "Okay, you you've got me this one last time." Yeah. <laughs> and they foiled. Like they, they just. Every time they want to take this movie seriously, they end up just not taking it seriously. I like the twist with King Poseidon letting himself go. I like if it if that has to happen, okay. But yeah, let's go back to this. Uh, one of the biggest pieces of this movie, in terms of even just merchandise, was that we would be seeing 
uh, young SpongeBob attending Camp Coral, this little summer camp in Bikini Bottom. Uh, the last 30 minutes is literally just a commercial for Camp Coral. Oh my goodness. They, SpongeBob and Patrick are on trial for execution, trial for stealing, <laughs> stealing back what was stolen from them. And, and Sandy does this great, like Sandy as a character, I was just like, just run in the room and go attack P Poseidon. Who's going to stop you? You're the yeah. strongest character in this, like by a 100 mile yard radius. No one's going <laughs> to stop Sandy. So she ties up all the people who are working on the stage and her Mr. Krabs and Squidward go up on stage and their whole plan is uh, I, I, it seemed like they also had the plan of the song and dance but then like at first let's tell each other their stories um, of how they either met Spongebob or uh, a way that he helped them at this camp. Giving the people they tied up a lot of time to escape. Also their <laughs> their uh, speeches don't even make any sense because, you know, like, they, they shoehorned this in so hard. Like, they're on trial for kidnapping the royal snail, and all of their friends come up and be like, okay, but don't murder them. Uh, they're not guilty because they're good friends. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. And, and they're, like, it's nonsensical... It's nonsensical stuff. Like, Sandy's is cute because... Sandy's was cute, and it was also, I think, the shortest one out of all of them, which I was just like, okay, I'm fine with that. Um, Patrick's wasn't cute. Squidward's was annoying because here is this entitled brat of a child, and SpongeBob and Patrick did the good thing by giving in to his entitledness. Like, I wish it was a moment where SpongeBob at least helped Squidward in a way, like... His read broke and SpongeBob fixed it before the talent show. Like something, give me something that they really did for you. You just admitted to us that you lost, you sucked on stage, and SpongeBob and Patrick gave you their trophy. That was it. Well, actually, to be fair, that part with Squidward, um, he, like, in his version, like, once he's done telling the story, like, you see it the way it actually was, but then when he's, like, telling it it sounds like the whole time he's been saying like i was the best um they got the trophy by mistake and then they gave it to back to me like they were nice enough to give it back to me uh rather than keep it for themselves and like not lie to me but at the same time like that's not super significant you know um i really enjoyed mr Krabs's though because you don't uh, even though I said Sandy's was the shortest, Mr. Krabs fully comes out and says, I'm I'm not going to tell you a story about Camp Coral. And you see little scenes of him, you know, working working as the chef and SpongeBob coming up to him. Um, but his speech is very, very nice. And just kudos to Clancy Brown for, for this genuine delivery of, you know, this version of Mr. Krabs who's just infatuated with SpongeBob. Uh, I thought their song and dance was weak. Um, it was just weak sauce, and and honestly, I now stacking up all three soundtracks against each other, um, I think it's the weakest, just music wise that that has ever been in a SpongeBob movie. Are you? Are... Now let me tell. Let me just say the caveat. Say... The caveat is that I have a smooth jazz version of my favorite SpongeBob song by Kelpie G, so I will give it props for that. And That's Weezer. True. The Weezer song is pretty good, too. 
I was just gonna say, like, you wanna you wanna keep that as the as your truth against the epic rap battle of history from the end <laughs> of the second movie for real. Um, I will stack up the. Uh, I love the song they ended up not using in the movie, which is "Thank Gosh It's Monday," and I actually, actually love. Oh, you've never! Oh my goodness! It's such a beautiful sequence, and I wish they would have just kept it in the in the movie because it's fully I'm animated. To to I'm gonna have to listen to it. For oh my sure. goodness! You're gonna love I, it. I didn't. I I'm not like one of those like people that looks into like all of the behind the scenes uh, for things like, especially for things that I don't enjoy a lot, and I definitely didn't like that movie. No, so. no, they. I I came across that because they released it as a teaser before the movie came out the entire like sequence and then it just wasn't in the movie um yeah. but i like the pharrell song uh squeeze me from the second movie a lot and i really don't like the the music they played in this movie uh, especially yeah, uh, at the end Antwa. i know that there that that uh kind of music is so popular as a worldwide entity totally respect that but in terms of spongebob it's just it doesn't fit it doesn't fit it feels like one of those like straight to dvd like disney films like sequels you know like just with better animation um you know because a lot of the time like what the staple was for those sequels was to have a much like more half um you know, like, half-effort uh, plot and, you know, cheap pop songs over top of it. Um, that's just what it felt like, you know? It felt like one of those um, Disney brand straight-to-DVD movies. Well, it just seems like they went to, you know, what is really hot right now. Oh, you know, this, like... Yeah, that's what I mean, because, like, if you think about it, like, um, just to go off of SpongeBob for a second, like, if you think about the return to neverland they had all of those pop songs in there um and like uh what else was there i think i think that the hunchback 2 had a bunch of pop songs in it yeah they would I get know... well they would get like popular disney channel stars to like remix a disney song yeah but not just that like um some of them had like songs that were on the radio at the time like you know that that's just what I mean. It's just that the soundtrack was that kind of thing. Like it was very cheap. It was like a, um, it felt like it was on the verge of becoming a jukebox musical. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. But then as the credits rolled and I start Uh-oh. getting Kelpie G as a uh, <laughs> playing Gary song, I I immediately smiled. The, probably the the most in the entire movie. That's true. I I completely agree with that. I it was almost worth it to suffer agua for that. <laughs> um I wrote down habeas swordfish. I thought it was just one of the funniest jokes. That was a really good one. Yeah, I got I got a lot of these things. Uh the animation, by the way, really as far like the first 15 minutes that I was watching the movie, it was distracting, but once I just eased into it, man, it, it I don't I wouldn't want that a lot, but if it if it's just this one movie or if it was a special I'm glad it exists because it looks so gorgeous. Uh, the backgrounds, the, the, the foreground, the way it, 
to me, it emulates the 2D animation, just kind of with this 3D overtone over it. Um, some characters, it's a little off-putting. Like, I think Sandy was a little too furry. Um, but just little tweaks like that, I thought they did a wonderful job of encapsulating the world uh, in a CG tone. But, I mean, I would have rather had TV animation, the, the 2D animation, you know. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, as as a 2D and 3D artist, um, I was in love with the animation. It was gorgeous and beautiful. Like, that's the kind of stuff that I was following all the way up until the release. Um, mostly because, you know, the entire Discord for the the rehydrated server, like, they wouldn't shut up about it. But also, you know, because, like, it's really, it was really exciting because they were using 2D animation tactics to make the 3D, like, look as 2D as possible. And that was just incredible. Like, I've never seen that kind of stuff before. No, um, no. And, and they have tried it. I will be totally fine in saying that this is the best CG animation ever of a 2D, of 2D characters. Like, anytime it's ever been done, this is probably the best I've ever seen of it. I don't know. Have you seen the trailers for Space Jam 2? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> there is no trailer for Space Jam 2 yet. Well, I mean, technically, they're in a trailer. <laughs> yeah, wait to the full thing. No, I know. I was just kidding. But seriously, <laughs> though, I agree. Like, um, it's just crazy that you can, like, that no one's thought before of mixing those two mediums. Because, you know, we've done, um, you know live action and 2d animation live action and 3d animation uh stop motion and live action stop motion and 2d i think um maybe that one hasn't been crossed yet actually what stop motion with 2d yeah um i mean that's pretty much 2d animation i guess but like with 3d assets that's true that's true um i mean regardless um, I just I just think that we've crossed another threshold here with this movie, um, even though it wasn't a good movie. Uh, I, I will say, though, in, in as much as I was upset about it and, and we've brought up negatives, when it does hit, it hits really well. And there are parts I like about this movie. And I just hope it's not the last chance SpongeBob has in theaters. I, I'd like to see I, uh, I'd like to see them do something else, too. I actually, I gotta say, my favorite joke, I think, in the whole thing that I remember offhand, I haven't seen it in a couple months at least. Um, the last time I saw it, I think, was uh, like back when it was released in Canada. But, um, but um, one of my favorite things about the movie is when they're, uh, you know, talking about how, like, buddy travel movies always have the buddies like you know become, yeah they break up like, yeah they break up and then they make up and like all in that discussion of that trope they completely get it out of the way and i thought that was the funniest thing ever that I was really I, I wrote that. i wrote about that in here i really loved that um, I, I facepalmed when they started playing Live in La Vida Loca in Atlantic City. I was just like, oh, God, come on. And then SpongeBob and Patrick started singing Live in La Vida Loca. And I was like, oh, God, I love this. <laughs> <laughs> it's just something I never thought I wanted in my life. And uh, 
<laughs> now that it's here, I'm totally fine with it. Um, yeah. But yeah, there there is a lot of funny jokes in this. I mean, I'm going through, and I think I wrote more good things or jokes that I I found funny than than bad. So I I would recommend this to any SpongeBob fan. But it's oh, definitely, definitely it's definitely the weakest of the three movies. But I think it's. Ooh, sorry. <laughs> oh no, I was just gonna say, was... but it looks just as like just as good as it can be. I was gonna say that, um, like, I really liked all of the references to classic SpongeBob that they put in there, um, like all the continuity references and everything. Um, like, you get to see a lot of stuff in the background that, like, references to the classic, the good old episodes, you know. Oh, absolutely. And, that's I think that's the best part about the movie. If you want to see something that like proves to you that they still at least care about their pro product, you know, then watch that movie and look for all the references. That's that's going to be your main goal, I think, watching that movie. Like I think they're a little lost right now, and I don't think that it's that. It's going to be very, very, very hard if they want to try to get back to where they were, or at least try to. Because even when, like, when Steven Hillenburg came back for a while, he definitely, like, really spruced up the show. But at the same time, it wasn't back to its former glory, because nothing ever can be, really, um, at that point. Because once, once that time passes, um, you know, people change over time. Uh, Steven Hillenburg wasn't the same person that he was back when he made the first three seasons um, and the movie. <laughs> um, and we're going to look at it through rose-colored glasses. So We always no will. What, yeah, and no, and no matter what, nothing can live up to that because of the what, nostalgia and the meaning and all that other stuff. What's things. going to happen eventually, it's, it's, it's inevitable, it's probably already happening now, but the longer SpongeBob stays on television and the more spinoffs and and 30 years from now the time that those three seasons were on is just going to be so dwarfed by the other the amount of other content that eventually fans that grow up with that newer content are going to like like the three season and movie group are going to be like the boomers like oh hey boomers Oh, you got you. Yeah, you keep your three seasons. We'll just deal with all this other new stuff. Like it's just, it's gonna happen eventually. Yeah, like there's gun. There's there might be, like people that grow up and think like, oh, Camp Coral was the one that was the good one. Uh, which is a why. is a is a good segue. Um, because what I was gonna <laughs> say is, if I was ever lucky enough to be a writer on SpongeBob, the if I ever had an idea, if I was ever asked, like, do you have an idea for a SpongeBob episode? It would be something like the three seasons where the first three seasons where it's just a very simple plot and let the characters speak for themselves. Like SpongeBob and Patrick playing hide and seek on the street, like an annoying Squidward. That's it. Something very simple. And, you know, so also on March 4th dropped the, the spinoff Camp Coral, which has a whole history I covered in the beginning part of this episode, but um, we're getting, you know, back to basics in a way, but also in other ways it's not, you know, what you would expect as a as a show, as a spinoff, and <laughs> I don't know. We're, we're definitely on different pages with the show. Yeah, um, I, mean, <laughs> I, I know that. I'm trying to... <laughs> <laughs> um, 
let me just say, I don't want any SpongeBob spinoffs. I never would have wanted them. Uh, I think it's oversaturation of a brand that is already oversaturated. And that's not SpongeBob's fault. It's Nickelodeon's. Just originally the thought of it being on television and taking up even just as much time as SpongeBob already does, I was like, good God, I, I feel for the people, those parents who have Nickelodeon and their kids watch it all day, every day. It's just going to be an explosion of SpongeBob when there's already too much of it. Well, but at the same time, like other, sh- uh, um, other programs, or not programs, channels will be like um, airing the same show all the time, like every single day like cartoon network did with uh or maybe even still does with teen titans go uh that's a completely different topic but like and one that i'm not even gonna touch because you don't want me to scream on this podcast (laughs) i'm just happy that those voice actors like um get to keep working as those characters like even if it's in in a way that no one really wants like as long as those voice actors are still synonymous with those characters i'm i'm happy sure yeah (laughs) i guess (laughs) i actually saw that movie in theaters with my brother i haven't seen the movie yet i heard that it was like fair i yeah i I enjoyed it but um um, when it comes to camp coral uh, so, yeah. like I said, there's because we have this, we have Patrick ca- coming up later this year. But when they ch- moved it over to Paramount Plus, I kind of became more accepted to it because I understand that with a streaming service, you're trying to bolster and you're trying to get people to sign up for. Um, if you, you can announce all the old content you want, if people aren't going to sign up for that, then you're not going to catch them with the old stuff. It's going to constantly be new stuff that gets new people on the service and you got to build as much of a library as you can so when they moved it over to that service i was like you know what i'm a little bit more accepting with spongebob spinoffs if they're meant for this service because now it's not taking up time on the airwaves it's just there if you want to watch it hey do you want to see camp coral go watch paramount plus you don't have to you know it doesn't have to sit there and waste up hours and upon hours throughout the day on nickelodeon so i'm a little bit more lenient on it that's also be- more because, you know, like, who watches TV anymore? <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, who has cable? No, nope. I mean, there's still, cable is still a big, big commodity. Um, sure. But, you know, it's it's not, it's going to go away just like VHS is, I think. Yeah, it'll it'll probably be a few more decades before it really fizzles out or at least changes to a more internet kind of type service. Yeah. Um, but it is going. It is out of the... It is. The Absolutely. Um, so we've both watched all six episodes of Camp Crawl at this point. Yep. Um, I want to hear positives from you first. I need to, I need to hear th- things you like about it, <laughs> things that maybe... Um, you, I, you probably had expectations going in. What, what like, completely surprised you? Honestly, um... When I went in, I didn't really have any expectations. Um, I, I definitely um, did not like that it was CGI. Oh wait, sorry, you want positives? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's it's, one that's one I'm, I I'm, I agree with. I'm very I'm I'm struggling very hard to find something positive here, <laughs> like 
Okay, I guess the thing that does take me by surprise is they kept the trend up with the movie and did their best to make references to the continuity of the show. Kind of. Uh, like, and they definitely tried to recreate the humor of the like original three seasons that got everyone on board. Um, I mean, they tried. I, I think... <laughs> There were because I I waited to watch this until after I finished the movie because you know that's kind of the the intention going through um, and this does for for those conf- you know who you know maybe haven't seen her don't even want to see him um, the the show is in continuity of the movie it does take place the following summer as the scenes in the movie does uh, as like it. it doesn't feel like it it does feel completely different um, in the episode where Gary reappears. Uh, SpongeBob says, "Oh, I haven't seen you since last summer." Last summer. So yeah. there's that. Um, and the reason for the name change, Tom Kenny came out and mentioned, which I'm just surprised really wasn't touched upon in the show, is that uh, as we mentioned in the movie, Mr. Krabs was originally the chef at Camp Coral, and at some point in that year, took over the camp, and has an obsession, I guess, with turning C's to K's, like the Krusty Krab. So changed it to Camp Coral with K's. So I was actually happy to get those resolutions, but definitely the resolution as far as Sandy goes, I was like, this is this is weak sauce of an explanation. Oh, you mean the one episode that explained why she was there? Yeah. Okay, I, that's my least favorite episode of the whole series. It is mine as well. Um, so, can, can I say negatives now? Am I allowed? You're allowed to say negatives, but I'm not done with my positives. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so where do I begin? No, I'm kidding. Uh, but no, for real, though, that's how, like, strongly I feel angry towards it. So I, um, before you uh, asked me to come on here today, uh, I had only seen the first episode from, like, YouTube when they pre- when they premiered it for free. Um and, you know, then I you know, jacked your account and used it to watch the rest. <laughs> but, like, the f- they should have used a way better episode to show off to the general public. Rather than, like, you know, because they were trying to sell this show to their fans, right? And then they give the weakest episode possible out to- for everyone to see. I actually enjoyed the first half of the first episode. Um, in the second half, it lost me a little bit, but I enjoyed how annoying SpongeBob was and his excitement and like exuding that excitement on everybody because I felt like, all right, whoever's writing this understands like the original SpongeBob is supposed to just be super crazy positive and annoy people around him because of that. And yeah. and that's been a lost element, and it was just nice to see it again, even if it wasn't in the best of terms. It was just like you know what, I'm I'm glad this is working. And as far as the writing goes, you're mentioning that they're they're trying their best, and I think in ways they they hit very bright spots, and they are trying. And I think the writing is the strongest part of this show. The jokes, the humor, um, there was at least one chuckle out of me for every episode. It's certainly not the animation. <laughs> no, the animation 
now, I don't want, look, people worked hard on this. And, and for what we have, oh. yes, it's... <sighs> I've seen better in the Spongebob collab, and not to say that anyone in the Spongebob collab isn't talented, but they're unpaid. They're completely unpaid. They're doing this for fun. And they have done way better animation than what this garbage show has to offer. Think about like, this, though. They, But they're doing stuff on their own where this has, like, a timeline and a deadline that stuff has to be done. You know, you, you ha like, this show has to be packaged and delivered for March 4th that could have been rushed for the Paramount Plus premiere. I get that. I, I totally do. I, I get that. Like, we're all good on that and everything. It's just that, like, you know, um, at the same time, uh, I know that it's possible to make something, like, way better in far less of an amount of time because, um, you know, they, uh, they used a lot of tactics in the animation that I recognize as very amateur because I am an amateur. <laughs> um, I've seen like, you know, professionals in these collaborations, um, you know, doing their best. And they, um, one time there was a collaboration that I came in to like help because they were running out of time and running out of um, like, help because they needed a couple of like last minute scenes done so they had a week to do them and there were a couple people like a handful of people i brought in to say like hey can you do this in a week so that we can premiere on time and they came in completely unpaid on their own time made a 3d scene that looked way better than the whole of that show in a week on their own one person no, I, I firmly believe it, and, and I'm not going to sit here and tell you that this, this is as gorgeous, but it does it does have moments where it, it, the animation, they do get some things right when it comes to, like, how the character would express or when they, like, go no. crazy with the expression. No, there, there's stills. No, no, no. Uh, I, I'm I going to trump you. you here. No. You know what I'm going to no. say. You know <laughs> who I'm going to say. What? <laughs> Kid Verastu. Okay, you know what? Kid Feratu was good. Beautifully but animated. Come on. One. He is the only one. No, he there. Is the only one. We would have to watch it so I can point out he... moments that. <laughs> it, it, I'm talking about, like. You know how in this first SpongeBob movie, the, the famous shock face of Patrick and SpongeBob, where yeah. it's there for a second. I'm talking about those kind of moments that happen for, like, a second that just. They're like, all right, you're having a little bit of fun with the animation, but, you know, before it goes back to, you know, the whole squash and stretch idea of cartoons, just that. I agree, but at the same time, with this show, the, those moments that you're talking about are more famous, like, when they're bad, because there's too much more of the bad ones. Like, have you seen that one part where... Like, in the episode where they're hunting down the food truck and Patrick ties the thing to his head and then he falls over and his eyes linger way too long because they put the in-betweens, like, in a very odd position. Like, it wouldn't have even really worked in a cartoon very well. Like, his eyes linger on the screen on their own and you can see the arc in which he fell down and it just does not look right. Or if you look at Sandy at literally any moment in the whole show... The 
um, the shadows that are cast onto her face because of the glass dome around her head are awful. Like, if they would have given her, like, a separate light or something on the inside of her helmet and made it look like it was transparent and also, like, glass but also wasn't so that that wouldn't happen, then, like, things would have just been way better. But she looked like an old woman the whole time because these shadows would cast these, like, wrinkle lines on her face that made her look like she was 80 years old. No, uh, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, the and one... a lot of the... I'm sorry. I, I was just going <laughs> to say also that, like, a lot of the characters, like, couldn't even turn sideways because they don't look right that way. So they're, like, slanted towards the camera just like most cartoons, you know? You know, if we if we go back to how SpongeBob looked in the beginning of the first season to where he ended up at the end of the third season, there there is a opportunity for this to not only get cleaned up in a in a way and grow, um, but hopefully with time it does get better. You know, I'm hoping with this next batch of episodes that they're working on or that they got ordered, you can show us a, a little bit of growth in this department because that's kind of the the caveat with 3D animation is that you can kind of retexture and, and add on and change things a lot easier than you can do with, you know, a 2D animated show. So that's uh, true. So I'm, I'm hoping with time they they expand on this to where just like in the first in this third movie, it looks like the 2D show, but with a 3D kind of glaze over it. Yeah, I, I think that they got way in over their heads when they were like, I can make this into the same 3D as the movie. We just got to make a couple cuts. That doesn't work. It does not work. Um, because of all of those things that I mentioned, like not just those, but like so many other things. Like, um, I got to say, like some really low budget, low effort CGI shows for kids on Netflix or like on Amazon Prime that you can find like even are better animated than this show in my opinion because well, like i i like i like to keep telling people that the barbie dream house show from netflix is better animated than this i have no frame of reference for that so i can't tell you if you're right or wrong i I've but i take your word for it i've only seen it because of like um babysitting and stuff um uh, with my little cousins and everything but Actually, I swear to God, it's actually, like, a kind of funny show to watch because the Barbies will, like, use these giant hairbrushes and giant phones and credit cards. Like, they're huge, right? <laughs> like, they're real credit cards compared to the Barbies. And, like, they make jokes, like, meta jokes about how it, what it's like playing with Barbies with, like, giant, um, like, things. And then, like, you know, like, I, I just think that that show's, like, pretty okay <laughs> you're not a fan or anything no i mean like i've seen a couple episodes i haven't seen much more than that but like um if i mean i could be a casual fan probably i'm i'm not ashamed to say no, when i'm a fan of something like you know i'm a fan of my little pony um i always have been and i don't care what people think about it no know? that hey look i that thing uh was not a, i i was just a very sidelined like I knew how big it got with that new show um, but I was especially cheering for it when they made a theatrical movie I was like anytime a cartoon can make a theatrical movie I like it's always a high for me so even mm -hmm. if it's a property I don't care for at all if it's going to make it to that level I want it to succeed because all 
all that success can do is help other shows make it move, make it into the theaters because uh, I yeah. I hate when they don't when they don't like have that trust for some properties like when they announced an Adventure Time movie and then just never did anything with it like come on that would have been absolutely amazing to see in theaters. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as the show goes, I do like uh, for at least me I can overlook the animation because of how well the writing does but I think they've done a wonderful job of bringing in these other characters besides the main cast um, we have we have characters like Kevin the cucumber who just is just this very nerdy down on his luck kid at the camp who's just anytime I've seen him on screen he's just getting dunked uh, Bubble Bass is one of the camp counselors and he's just perfectly nerdy uh, I loved I loved when they were playing D and D when uh, when during the Pearl babysitting episode. That was a very that was a very good moment. Just... I liked that a lot. <laughs> Bubble bass oh, as the notice, DM. Did you notice that his setup looked exactly like his actual mother's basement? No, no. What a wow. Yeah. Oh, you know what? That's because you haven't seen that. No, episode I have not yet. seen that episode. I was, yeah, I was telling you about that uh, the other day about how. Um, you know, there's that one episode in the more recent seasons uh, that, you know, where he moves out of his mom's basement to his grandma's basement and makes SpongeBob and Patrick move his stuff for him. And, like, um, that's the that's the episode where that famous, like, uh, close-up of Patrick with the real face superimposed <laughs> on him saying things are going to get crazy. Like, that's where that comes from. But, uh, you know, like, um, <clears throat> anyway... Uh, yeah, so that's the exact same look of what his mother's ba- basement looks like. What a callback. I'll have to check that out so I can appreciate that moment a little bit more. I, I hope yeah. they I hope they continue with Bubble Bass in this in this character role. I really enjoy that. Uh, they have Craig Mamilton at the camp as well, although he's just kind of thrown in with the jocks that are uh, kind of under the tutelage of Larry the Lobster, who is also a camp counselor of the camp. Um, they use uh, Perch Perkins, who's just kind of the... The camp Peach Perkins is the just the camp announcer and doesn't seem to leave his podium, which is pretty hilarious. Uh, those those yeah. little moments and even even the one episode with Gary where you just see Mrs. Puff just go off the hinges. Uh, I I like moments like that and the way that they've used these characters. Yeah. Um. Can we talk about the continuity stuff? Because I know that that's a huge topic that everyone's talking about right now. Yeah, yeah, we can talk about that. Um, So, in my opinion, I think that I kind of agree with both sides on this one. Because um, while I completely agree that SpongeBob, like as the, the original show, wasn't a continuity, like a heavy continuity based show. Um, At the same time, I don't think that it's fair to let some continuity stay and others not be there. Like, um, you'll see references to like older versions of stuff, like how uh, Peach Perkins is peach colored instead of like purple because that was his original design and that's what he was in the first few episodes he showed up um and like that's a nice one um the grandma the mother's basement thing that i was talking about um they reference like uh a lot of different other things um like 
they kind of reference a little bit how uh, crabs and um, plankton were like kind of friends. They do reference a lot how uh, plankton says he went to college because that's his new. <laughs> he's he's that's working his new at this now. camp to get to college. That's his new goal now. I love it. Oh, and I think that is the funniest thing they could have done with that character. His, his I have bit to say too, that. That is. You're also forgetting the fact that Karen is also in this show as a calculator and his in is his assistant. And the fact that eventually she becomes his wife is is fairly funny. I don't know. Um, I guess I just didn't really see it like in the funny sort of way. It's just that she's there and she's not really she doesn't make an impact, really. Um, no, it's um, it's kind of more or less referencing the fact that um, kind of in the first movie, there's the first scene with Plankton and Karen when he's like, I haven't been this giddy since you the day you agreed to be my wife. And she's like, I, I never agreed. And she's yeah. just so much more beaten down. But here she's super like helpful and and kind of uppity. Which I, I, I want to see how that's built upon if they, you know, continue that if you see more of her. I guess it's just that I think that um, I don't think that they work good with the continuity that they want to work towards because, you know, with the nods in the show that they already have, uh, like what I was going to say was that you can't have it both ways. You can't say this is completely separate, but also is tied to all of the lore of the original because, you know, they reference like, oh, I'm gonna um, get the formula and rule the world after I go to college. Um, but then it doesn't matter when things like SpongeBob being the one to found the secret formula in the I, first place. I, I took that in a completely, completely different way. And hear me out for a second. Um, mm -hmm. I feel in that moment, SpongeBob created a good tasting burger and when mr krabs tasted it it seemed to click on it clicked on him on some deep level and by the end spongebob's like i don't remember anything i make and the one you know piece of the puzzle the formula written down gets destroyed i think eventually mr krabs just either takes a spin on that or it just inspired him to create something different down the road and it still can be the Krabby Patty I mean, story, like, I don't... I don't know, though, because, like, at the same time, it is a burger. It's the exact same thing that he makes later on. So you can only assume with the information that's given to you that he makes the same burger. I think you're adding, like, meaning to it where it doesn't really belong, honestly. Like, because... Um, like no offense, of course, but no, no. I, uh, I think you're adding to it just because you want it to not be as offensive as it was. It was incredibly offensive to think that SpongeBob created the Krabby Patty secret. But formula. that's the the reason why I can do that is because at no point is it told like this is. Like I know Sandy by the end says you know she's like thank God. Plankton didn't get the formula, but the, the term Krabby Patty was never brought up. But then she says rediscovered in the future. 
Yeah, by Mr. Krabs. That that was just my thought process of like, well, if, Miss, if SpongeBob doesn't remember this, like the Krabby Patty was around before SpongeBob even worked at the Krusty Krab. In yeah. the in the continuity, so technically it was around in the Middle Ages too. <laughs> right. So I mean, I I think Krabs, like if this is canon, quote unquote, I think Krabs just took this as a jumping off point and used it eventually and just stole it, even if it's the same. Mm-hmm formula to to you know to the molecule it's exactly the same um i I think with with stories you're supposed to take everything at face value like what they tell you and show you because like um that's why i don't like a lot of artsy stuff you know because um they make you say like oh like just make your own interpretation well you're supposed to show us what happened you're supposed to show us exactly like what's going on spongebob has never been an artsy show it's always been like you know um skin deep like not not the characters or anything i'm not saying that it's like a skin deep like really cheap show or anything what i'm saying is that like it shows everything like it shows all its tricks on its sleeve um and it won't be like ambiguous like that. It wouldn't do that in the spirit of SpongeBob as it is, you know. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, that's the that's the same thing as believing the whole um, the whole theory that they uh, represent. I don't know. Wasn't it the, like the seven deadly sins? Seven deadly sins. That's right. I couldn't. They they're always like. Uh, this cartoon represents this and this. You know? It's an interesting theory, but it's it's literally just these characters were written in archetypes that have been around for so long. It's exactly it's nothing but the, new, but in a way, you know, just its own twist of it. But at the same time, that's the kind of thinking that I have with what you're saying about the formula being discovered by SpongeBob and then rediscovered by Mr. Krabs in the future. Like, um, they're telling a really stupid story. Um, if you think about it, because it it doesn't make any sense, um, and it completely, like, I'm gonna I'm gonna avoid another dolphin sound and say it poops all over the original concept of the show, the bare bones. Even that's why it's so controversial, you know, because because in that episode, SpongeBob creates what we have to assume is the Krabby Patty, yeah, um, if- and the only reason why you know we don't have it until the future is because you know because he burns it here's here's a way i think fans should should go with this moving forward because this is my my thought process when it comes to camp coral um when it comes to shows we've already mentioned that when it comes to like continuity and canon spongebob isn't one of those shows but it still kind of messes with its own lore. Um, they're one of the biggest media franchises in the world that is very heavy in canon and continuity is that of the Dragon Ball franchise and its many different series. But for no matter no matter how sorry that was a hiccup. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Um, but for now, for no matter how serious it gets with its canon. Almost all of the movies that come out of Dragon Ball Z are all non-canon. They're just kind of fantasy, have fun. Hey, here's a just a story that exists. 
Um, there's even entire series that have been just non-canon now, but are still beloved. Like this, I wish I, hopefully in the future, they just stop trying to connect it so hardly to the show since they've kind of already stepped on things with Sandy and the formula and just, just have fun. Like just, Tell stories with these characters at camp. That's all we're here to see. Yeah, I, I want them to stop trying to connect the dots, period. I don't want more effort for more continuity. I want them to stop teasing it because that's what it is. It's a tease. Yeah, I don't think the like the bubbles bass like basement thing is as is anywhere like egregious. The formula thing no. is stupid. And my whole stance on it is Hey, look, if there's a way for it to fit in the canon or the continuity and not be as offensive, I'm going to go that route because the idea and essence of SpongeBob is just to stay positive. So yeah. we'll, we'll try to make things work. That's that's my way of, of looking at it. But well, yeah, no, my my main thing is that like all the con like the continuity like nods that we have are not offensive. That's why I, I still like them. That's why a lot of people still like them. But then it teases the idea of having more. And, like, you know, if you give anyone... Like, say say you've never fed human food to your pet. And then you finally give them, like, a little sliver of, like, a french fry or something. And now they're craving it all the time. Because they want to taste more stuff. They want to see all the different possibilities in this metaphor you know like that's what that means and then like um the fans will want to see like oh um what are the actual origins of these characters that i grew up loving not the ones that existed only in the movie that yeah. suck yeah oh absolutely absolutely and, like that's why the krabby patty thing and sandy going back in the past they, they could have explained thing. the Sandy thing in such an easy, simpler way. There's already a reason that they've given as to why Sandy is underwater in the first place. Um, she could have just been part of an experiment. Like, hey, we're sending land critters down under sea. You know, oh, what if things, you know, what if what, what happens when they come back up? They'll freak out. Like, oh, no, we'll just erase their minds. You know, there, there could have been something just as ridiculous. Like, they went with time travel. They yeah. could have said something just as within five minutes that would have made just as much sense and would have not have been kind of silly. Like, they already have those monkey characters that sent Sandy down. Like, just give us I... a reappearance by them in some way. I guess, yeah, for sure. I just also think that that's just Sandy's thing at this point. It's She's a silly scientist that has all these crazy inventions. And, of course, she knows how to send herself into the past. Like, yeah. of course she knows that kind of stuff. And of course she's going to utilize it for something like that. Like, I don't understand what would have changed. You know, like, they should have said, like, uh, oh yeah. Um, they should have, like, at least winked to it. A good way to do that episode, at the very least, like, if they were going to say, Spongebob created the formula, fine, okay? I will learn to ignore the homicidal thoughts but then <laughs> <laughs> if you want to do it right what you do is you show a glimpse of the future in how it would be changed yeah and yeah what would happen because at the very end 
Sandy was just like, things can go as normal. What is not normal? What What is not normal? Yeah, what happened that made you go down this path of like, wow, I got to exactly. make sure I meet SpongeBob at an earlier time. Uh, there's also the crux of like, I was friends with kids in the first and second grade that guess what? I'm older now and I don't remember their names or exactly what they look like, but I remember bits and pieces and experiences. Uh, three months of hanging out with somebody, you're, you're, you might not remember that person in 10, 15 years, whatever amount of time it's supposed to be. Um, and you know what the easiest method of this could have been? The show is CGI. It doesn't. It's not trying to be like the original show. I wish the producers would have just been like, "This isn't connected. We're just taking the characters and we're putting them at summer camp as kids and we're having fun. That's it." Like, I think like that road would have been less egregious than just trying to like shoehorn and connect this in. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What is Reeve doing? <laughs> I have a. I like how you were like he. I hope he doesn't interrupt the show at all, <laughs> scratching me. And here he is somehow interrupting the show, but probably doing something funny and cute. I am so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I am Ryuk can interrupt the show as much as he wants. He's okay in my book. Uh, he, I have this like cup from McDonald's, and he went up to the straw and he was biting on the top of the straw like he was trying to drink out of it like a human. <laughs> <laughs> It was just killing me. <laughs> he is a little human. He has been learning. He has been, for real. If you want to believe what you see and hear, because holy crap, this cat is smart. Oh, absolutely. I've, I've heard enough. I know he, he thinks about things. But um, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm open to seeing what they, what they can do with this. I'm at least a little bit more worried about Patrick's show than I am about Camp Coral. Oh, are um, we done talking about Camp Coral? Because there is why, what, thing about oh, Marlene. Which, oh, I see. I was going to ignore it. So for those not watching <laughs> Camp Coral, Sorry, I'm not gonna uh, the, the original characters of this show that are, are kind of reoccurring are these two Norwals, uh, this brother and sister, Narlene and uh, Nadi, uh, N-O-D-D-Y, I believe, or Nabi, M-O-B-B-Y. Um, I don't remember, honestly. Nobby is doesn't speak. He's voiced by Carlos Alizraki, but he just kind of speaks with just little like noises. But Narlene, voiced by Kate Higgins, is a southern like trickster, and her whole job is just to kind of scam and annoy and be a plot device to get characters from point A to point B. And yeah. uh, uh, th I like the idea of a narwhal. I I like the design is is fine for the character she doesn't feel too much out of place but uh as mentioned as a plot device she just is very annoying and if that's her purpose which i think it is they did a it great is. job because i'm kind of like i'm almost worried when she's around the kids <laughs> i i mean <laughs> she sends no them to a nudist <laughs> camp i mean yeah i know which why, why... might be my favorite episode of the show um, and you gotta i gotta bring up the the end result of the nudist camp had me in stitches. Was just genuine, genuinely funny. Okay, I, I gotta admit that was that was a genuine Steven Hillenberg feeling joke. Yes, and I think sure. and I think that the animation helped it in re, in that regard to to get that look because yes, SpongeBob, so. Patrick, and Sandy uh, end up at a nudist 
colony and uh, and the fish are all realistic looking fish, including a They're... naked Mr. Krabs who just looks like an actual crab. Yeah, he even like his mouth even changes to like open sideways like a real <laughs> crab would. But is acting um... as if he knows he's naked in front of the children. But yeah. he's just a big crab. It's it, it had me laughing. That was really funny, and I have to ad- admit, um, like there are there are things that got me, like like the buns uh, of the buns of life. The buns of life. Uh, <laughs> I was actually going to say Kid Feratu. Kid Feratu is good. They should have had more characters like that. I I get that that's a unique thing, and it's very hard to recreate unique ideas. Especially when, like, you know, um, it's not like there's more types of things you can do like that. But with, with Kid Feratu, like, um, him having the old film uh, overlay over top of his character at all times, that is... Oh, it's genius. One of, it's genius. That, I have to say. I, I, it is genius. The, the the joke the 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 use of Nosferatu again in general is a great SpongeBob callback to make him a kid version and also have the film grain overlay is just like whoever wrote that down kudos to them because it it's using the concept in the world and the idea to its best advantage exactly and the fact that he's a night camper too like you know cuz he was only in the episode where they worked at the Krabby Patty overtime and night. Right, know? right. Like, that was the only episode he was in. That's, like, where the whole, like, famous twist happens. And he's one of the night campers in this show. And I think that that's, like, the best part. The best part of the, the whole thing. The, the best part, yeah. The, the best parts of this show for me were the things like the use of Bubble Bass and Larry and Kevin and, and Nosferatu. So I hope that going forward they find other SpongeBob characters. Because the whole fun bit of when they do these aged down or aged up shows, like all grown up, it's like, well, how are the characters I remember in this world? So find what a, what a Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy like. You know, do do they oh, visit the camp one amazing. day? You know, to inspire some kids or or do you know something or um, old man Jenkins? You know, walk. You know, helping the elderly badge. Do you have fun with it. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> All of them. What if they have to bring? If what if they animate every old man Jenkins and? What if there's like an old man Jenkins convention? What if there's an old all... man Jenkins camp that they have a rivalry <laughs> with? <laughs> And they're right next to the nudist. Yes, camp. yes. Like, <laughs> I, I want them to have fun with this. I think that there is there's more positive to come out of this moving forward. I hope than there are I have with negatives. Um, I just don't want them to get overzealous with all of these spinoffs. I think this is fine on Paramount Plus. Patrick, I I'm really hoping it doesn't it doesn't be as bad as I I just fear it could be, don't but. Be. Um, uh, is that Squidward one still happening? No, I I feel like that one was. I feel like I've heard that that was uh, a fake report that that wasn't real. Oh, that's awful. That was the one thing I thought would be awesome. Uh, I but who knows? With now with Paramount Plus, I mean they're digging into the Nickelodeon library. They're I would be shocked if there's not going to be uh, eventually another SpongeBob spinoff that is specifically made for Paramount Plus. Yeah. 
Like, and it, it should, like, if they know what's good for them, they should make it based off of Squidward for people like us who grew up with the show. They just have to. It it, it makes the most sense. Oh, you know? uh, like Squidward bar none was the funniest part of Sponge on the uh, Sponge on the Run. He had some of the best lines and moments and just even the fact that he only went with the group because Kelpie G was playing like the pre-execution jazz bit and his I face to, lit up. I have to say that uh, Squidward is probably the best character of SpongeBob, period, because he's the most relatable to anyone who can criticize, like, who can... Like, um, you know, just is old enough to think so critically about something that, um, uh, that they can, like, make reviews about it and stuff because, um, you know, competent reviews at that. Because Squidward, like, is a representative of. Every, like all of us like teenagers and it's, adults it, it's the parent watching with their kid exactly like and oh i feel with that guy he doesn't want to be I, at work and he's annoyed with his coworkers and his neighbors and he just wants to play the clarinet and be an artist at home and i just think that honestly there's not a way to write him incorrectly i don't think that it's possible if you have enough people on staff well, because like i did not think in any of these iterations that we talked about like today like that uh, exist with spongebob even even camp coral he was written he's was written perfectly for well camp it, it's coral. still here's the thing the second episode i believe opens up with um oh, the I, tag one yeah it opens up with spongebob and patrick yelling at each other across the you know the opening of the cabin and Squidward barges out and screams at him. And it's like, that was the moment where I felt okay with the show. Because I was like, this this is all I want out of SpongeBob. It's it's at its very base level of as long as you annoy Squidward and he gets angry, it's it's funny. Yeah. They they did a little poorly in that episode with that whole dynamic, though. Because they, they were, I can see that they were trying to bring back that whole Squidward is a butthole towards them. <laughs> And then they're just having he, fun. Yeah, they have fun, and then he's like, oh, man, I shouldn't have been mean, and then he goes to be nice, but then karma catches up to him. Like, they did that wrong. They did that way wrong. It, it turned into one of those Squidward torture kind of things. Yeah, I, I never I never understood the Squidward torture. I mean, if he does something there. wrong, it's good to get his comeuppance, but for him to just get hurt, you know, for no reason... It's not it's, funny. Yeah, it's, it's never, it's never funny. funny. They even did it a little bit in the third movie, you know, in the beginning when SpongeBob and Patrick are once again yelling good morning to each other, shouting, fr you know, shouting from the ro their roofs at each other. It's It'll always be funny. It's just like the Three Stooges, just like physical comedy is always funny. Um, and S Squidward slams his nose in the window, just like things like that. It's, it's unneeded. Yeah. Him yelling yeah. is the funny part, not him getting hurt. Exactly, like him getting mad can be done all you want. Him getting hurt, like, in really crazy ways, um, other than, like, it's his fault, you know? Because if it's not his fault, then it's not funny at all. It is just 
cringy and like awful to watch. Oh, absolutely. But, you know, I, I think we had a wonderful conversation when it comes to Camp Crawler, especially just around the whole negativity surrounding it. I, I do think those positive things are, are what, you know, people should lean through and build off of, especially, in, you know, if the show is just going to keep going uh, on the streaming service. I, I hope. Tell me what to do. What? <laughs> Don't yeah, even start. Um, no, I'll believe it when I see it. I, I'm not a pessimist at nature, but I definitely am not like looking forward with bright eyes. I, I'm excited when I those new watching. episodes drop. We'll have to watch them and and yeah, we'll, we'll see. Sure. We'll see what, what we each other points each uh, out in those shows. That was a whole mouthful. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you have anything that you would like to plug before we leave? Uh, oh, I have a personal website, um, www.pasta-creations.com. Uh, I actually just today uploaded uh, some more stuff to it. If you go there, you'll see all of the kinds of crazy stuff that I do. Like I have some writing samples and um, <clears throat> I'm starting to get into audiobook narration, um, stuff like that. Uh, so, yeah. Awesome. Like, that's like a hub for all of my stuff. So that's, yeah, that's www.pasta-creations.com. And that's the word dash, not a dash. <laughs> <laughs> Spell it out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then you can also check out the SpongeBob SquarePants movie Rehydrated Project on Twitter. I believe it's under the name SB Rehydrated. It should be. Let me check real quick. <laughs> we need to get this stuff right. We want to make sure we're sending people to the right pages and whatnot. It is SB rehydrated. Perfect. Also, Check. Oh. how how abysmal is it that I completely forgot to plug it? <laughs> you no, I was going to do that regardless. <laughs> no, no, you've got a lot in your plate. Uh, but yeah, I check do. those things out. They will uh, both links will be in the podcast description, so you can click on those from there. And of course, I'm going to have Alexis on on many future episodes of the show. So thank you for joining me on this. I really appreciate thank you it. For having me. You're welcome. I'm ready. Magic Conj, will I ever get to meet Tom Kenny? Maybe someday. Oh, so you're saying there's a chance. Okay, okay. Should I tell fans of the show how they can support us? Yes. Goofy Goobers, supporting the show is shockingly easier than catching a blue jellyfish. Right from our Anchor page, anchor.fm slash spongepod, you can find links to all of our social media and a support button if you happen to have a few extra clams. Also follow us on twitch.tv slash spongebobpodcast, where it's not only the official home to our sister show, Video Bob Game Pants, it's also where I stream live drawings of various Nickelodeon characters and host the opportunity for commissions and giveaways. Lastly, the official merchandise store is now open at redbubble.com slash people slash spongepod, where various designs will be uploaded in Inspired by our show, including our official logo, which is now available on a multitude of products like t-shirts, stickers, duvet covers, and even a shower curtain. This is a podcast by a fan for fans and will always be fan-driven. Any way you see fit on supporting our show is much appreciated. Thank you and enjoy.